everyone, and welcome to Timeline Scavengers, the podcast specifically designed to last forever. I'm Colin Parker, one of your hosts. And I'm James Anderson, your other host. On this show, we're going through the MCU in historical order, scene by scene, until the end of time. Colin, let's go for a drive. What do you say? We should go for a drive. James, we're going to go through a drive right through Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Season 7, Episode 1 starting at 41 minutes and 13 seconds, and then we're going to end at 41 minutes and 30 seconds. Uh, And we're just going to jump right into it, James. We're just going to skirt, skirt, right? Like, just, we're going to get right into it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not my best Foley work, but whatever. We've just seen the last scene, and then we immediately cut to a very harrowing car chase that's probably going about 40-ish miles an hour. Uh-huh. You see, James, quick side note, in the 1920s, the fastest Ford Model T could ever go was 28 miles per hour. Yeah. Though in the late 20s slash early 30s, they started to make newer, better engines. Uh, and at the time, the, the fastest that they could go was specifically the Model A, but obviously they clearly made better engines for the Model T as well. Of course. Uh, and they could finally surpass 45 to 50 with the top speed in the late 30s being 60 miles an hour. So no matter which model and year that they drove, though technically anything before 1931, a very moderate speed chase of cars is exactly (laughs) what ensues through the streets of New York. And you can feel it when he's like whipping the car around, but it moves so slowly. Um, Deke turns around and says, the cops will be on us any minute. Matt asks why they're even after them. Uh, Sorry, you know, do you know why they're after us rather? And he's like, no, none. I'm just supposed to make a delivery tonight. Freddie saying it in the most... Freddie clearly rolled well on a charisma check. <laughs> Every because, single time. Because, like, that delivery is so, like, clearly, I'm up to something. Or I know something you don't. And they just move right on past it. <laughs> what? <laughs> Though I guess technically they also know something that he doesn't. So, mm. you know. Like Deke what a says, toaster strudel is. That's exactly it, James. Um, Deke says, if they want to stop him, then we'd better make sure they don't. Mac asks where they need to go. Freddy looks at the secret vial in his hands. Uh Uh-huh. And they're like, Freddy. He's like, whoa, and he drops it. And that's the end of the scene. (laughs) End of series. End of MCU timeline. Um, No, okay. Uh, So, James, that's all that we have. Again, I already showed you the research that I did on this. Uh, through the middle of that you know, I love I love that you that you were like alright let's let's check this out let's do a the speed thing check is, I hadn't even really thought about it I probably wouldn't have done it had I not sat there and watched that and gone they are going so slow like they also didn't have was, power steering right so like they were turning no the wheel. and that's another reason why when he's yeah. like really yeah. like when he's turning he's like really turning it and it's yeah. like really funny because it's so long for them to make anything like that I'd like to um I'd like to request a, a running segment. Mm-hmm. Anytime there's a car chase, I want to do a speed check. How fast could they be going? It'll quickly be just once we hit like the seventies or eighties, yeah. it's probably gonna be like probably ninety, hundred is like yeah. where we can safely assume if they're yeah. really going. Exactly. Um but yeah, like for now it's like like it would be a miracle if they were hitting 50 like like, that to be very clear it is probably 40 maybe 45 at max right uh like like when uh steve rogers is chasing down that taxi that's why he's able to do it honestly like that is the reason is because like uh 
again, they made some cars with those uh, types of uh, engines by then, but they weren't they were like taxis. they. Well, yeah, certainly not taxis. Well, I was gonna say like in general, it was still a pretty newer thing. It's kind of like when you see like it's kind of like what 4K televisions were like mm -hmm. like five ten years ago, where you're mm -hmm. like they were super expensive, super rare. Most things weren't playing stuff in 4K yet because we were like that technology is so far away. Cut to now, we're like already on 8k mm. moving towards you know 16 know so it's like yeah I, uh, I still think of 4k as too expensive and uh and a luxury that i don't expensive. want to i also thought of blu-ray as that for until like three years ago so i'm a slow adopter because i assume that i can't afford it it's fun it's fun fun being me i mean sometimes that is the truth sometimes yeah. things are very difficult like you could get a 4k monitor now but they're still pretty they're still pretty you know that, if you can't hear that, that's the sound of me yeah. rubbing my fingers together to mean Skrilla, money, uh -huh. expensive. Cash. Cash. Yeah, exactly. Uh, stacks <gasps> of gold with a little square hole through them uh, that you stack in different orders to Today the different we, denominations. Uh, Kristen was doing the thing where she like you hold up a picture and say, hey, kids, what is this? Mm -hmm. And it was a cigarette lighter, like, look straight on. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, Matt was like, it's a Japanese coin. And I was like, one, love you. Love you for that. Two, it's Chinese and they're squares. So not not totally right, but love well, you're that you trying. went there. Yeah, exactly. Love that, love that that's where you went for. And then I looked at um, Lila with like a meaningful and like intense glare. Like, where are we on that one? Um, because I'm holding to a higher standard. I'm holding her to a higher standard. Now, here, let me ask you a quick question. Yeah. If she was like, oh, easy, cigarette lighter, right? Like, or, you know, or whatever, lighter. If you were like, now hang on. Yeah, I know I'm holding you to a higher standard, but why do you know that? <laughs> I didn't get it. I, I was like, oh. is it is it a lock? Like, is it the top, like a lock of a car? Like seen from, and it took me like four guesses because I was looking across the room. Anyways, Colin, that can't oh, we're be talking the like end the of your... car, the car type of cigar. Yeah, yeah, yeah not, lighter, not right? like a yeah, lighter, but a cigarette. I was thinking, I was like, yeah, yeah. it doesn't matter. Yeah, I, yeah. I got you. I'm hoping that you that you have a segment for me. I do have a segment. Yay. Is it because you're currently a hundred percent on it and uh -huh. you're hoping? Uh -huh. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. James. Yep. You're right. It's time to break out a new round of who's Freddy. <laughs> who's Freddy. <laughs> We've got two for you today. Okay. James. Uh, and it is mostly because I was looking at the Google sheet, saw something that said, Freddy's name is revealed. And so I wrote down, oh, Freddy's in that. Yeah. He no. wasn't. So I pushed that. that back. That's maybe my worst synopsis of any episode that we've no, done. No, that was more <laughs> of like, that's also like, I was double checking them. And I just, I very clearly was like, I heard the name Freddy. So I assumed, you know, but it's. But I, I didn't it. even say Koenig was in the scene. I was like, oh, I you're, missed no, something. You're right. Yeah, you're, you're good. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Okay, I'm right. Here we go. Was bad. So here is your, I believe this is number five for you. Here we go. This Fred is another Fred of musical fame who has also dabbled in a bit of film production, acting, and directing. He was a musician for a while before his big act, but his fame was new to him in the mid-90s when his biggest musical act made it big. This act and genre of the band might sometimes get a bad rap, but if you take a look Hate around, it. you'll see they certainly, uh, certainly helped put it on the map and changed radio and Madden soundtracks forever with six major albums. James, who's Freddy? 
can you say is it it's fred durst right <laughs> damn <Okay>. it yeah <laughs> i was like freddie mercury and then you're like you said like some bad rap and i was like take a look around took me took me a sec yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. took took a look take a look around also uh his new fame like new metal oh, right, right. uh and new. bad rap Right. I'm not saying that he's a bad rapper. I'm just saying, like, I was trying to find a way to put the word rap in there. Oh, you know sure. what I'm saying? So. Uh, just real quick. Um, so, Fred Durst, uh, listener, who weirdly doesn't know who Fred Durst is, that's not weird. You can, like, you know who you know. Uh, they have a new album out, and it's called uh, Still Sucks, which I think is that's very, funny. very funny. Also, um, I did try to find some possible way, but I was like, there's no way I can put Nookie in there. Because, like, that's mm-hmm. immediately, you know who that is. Anyway, just real quick. Uh, uh, oh yeah, Fred Durst. Limp Biscuit. By the way, we—I don't think yeah. we've actually said it out loud. So, I think, go ahead. yeah, uh, Fred uh, Li- uh, Limp Biscuit collaborated with Method Man, and Method Man is in Luke Cage. There's our Marvel Cinematic Universe connection. Wow, there you go. Okay, okay, here we go. This Fred is also an actor, author, TV host, and producer, and is possibly the only Fred who could pick up Thor's hammer. I don't have a single clue mm. for this person that doesn't immediately tell you who it is. Other than that. Probably already gave it away. So yep. James, who's Freddie? It he is one of uh, three or four people that um, I will burn my eyes before reading anything bad about Fred oh. Rogers. Um, yes, exactly. <laughs> funnily enough, uh, he is now associated with Thor's hammer in my head. Like when you said mm-hmm. that, I was like, oh, got it. <laughs> you know, I actually mainly thought about that because I, when he passed away. There was a like little web comic that someone had made mm-hmm. that was truly beautiful. Can, can I tell you the the one Mister Rogers trivia that uh, that I think of every single time? Yes, go ahead. Uh, in the opening, Mister Rogers did Mister Rogers Neighborhood, which was a public television program that was very important to people. He's been gone and off the air for long enough that perhaps uh, people don't know. Uh, Tom Hanks did a movie biopic about him a little bit ago. It'd be fascinating to me if people didn't know who he is, I, which I guess is also yeah. shows like part of like my age yeah. and like my assumptions. But it's like Mr. Rogers Neighborhood still, I feel like was still run even yeah. after he was done. Yeah. Um, but it's just one of those pieces of um, like, uh, like world not zeitgeist, but like just like knowledge that you just sort of assume that everyone yeah. has, yeah. I guess. Um, so I guess that's not a good thing that for me to assume. I referenced that. Bayside High one time to my very much younger coworkers, and they were like, "What is that?" And I was like, <laughs> "All right, I'm gonna be over here. That's fine. I want to be very cool <laughs> and not like not cool, like I'm so cool, but like very like non-judgmental about them not knowing what Bayside High from Saved by the Bell is. But like, it's off-putting when you're like, I had made an assumption that you." That this was a thing that the lingua franca right. sort of like I can say based on that. Anyways, uh, the opening uh, song for Mister Rogers' Neighborhood had him mm-hmm. coming in the door and uh, changing his, into his ca- cashmere sweater and changing from dress shoes into sneakers, and mm-hmm. he did that because he also did the puppets in the Land of Make Believe, and he needed quiet shoes so that they couldn't hear him stepping around behind the doing the puppets. And I won. I think I heard that and then realized that that was Fred Rogers doing all the voices. <laughs> Just, you know, childhood. And then realizing mm-hmm. that he also did the puppetry, uh, which is kind of cool. But yeah. The, In a way, it served a purpose. Fred Rogers was kind of the first, like, DM that any of us had. <laughs> a little bit. Like, a little bit. Fred Rogers, 
Fred Rogers did every NPC and like, you know, we like didn't ever really think about that. But Fred was frequently like, okay, roll for charisma. You got a natural 20. Very good job. And you're like, and you're like, no, but I got a two. He's like, it's okay. Everyone gets a 20 here. But I also want to point <laughs> out so that sweet. like, I was, what a sweet thing. That's <laughs> very you. good. I also was like, when I was looking um, up some, like some information, because again, I was looking for clues to throw out there, but like yeah. everything I was going to possibly put out there, I was like, it's just going to say who he is. Um, and so that's why I threw the Thor line out there. Cause mm-hmm. I was like, MCU? none of the other, I mean, all the other clues are going to tell you who it is anyway. Yeah. So I might as well just throw this one in there for fun. For sure. I will say that looking at his information, I remember his death like very strongly. Huh. I, I don't know. I don't know how else to say that, but like, I remember yeah. vividly, like, yeah. I just remember vividly that moment happening. And I remember feeling that. Mm. And it's weird to me because it happened way earlier than I thought it did. When did it happen? So it's, it happened in 2003. Huh. And in my head, I was like an adult when it happened. Yeah. But I was 12. So that yeah. that's nuts to me that like, again, that like, I guess it's been sitting with me for so long at this point that in my head, I was like, surely it was like just recently. Yeah. It's, it's just nuts to think about. And it's, it's one of those things where like his, his approach and like his touch to everything I think is absolutely beautiful. And like, I mm-hmm. think frequently about um, his testament Yep. To Congress. Yep. Um, about Makes me public. Cry. Yeah. And also, uh, the only time I ever saw him mad was when um, the KKK was using his imagery and part of his voice, I think, for like a voicemail because they were trying to recruit younger people. And he like, I mean, he was livid and he like, oh my God. I mean, he, I mean, he like went off on it. Because it was like, you know, using his image for something that was vile and terrible. And like, you know, his whole thing was about, um, you know, being like that's, you know, the antithesis to who he was. Yeah. And it's it's incredible. It feels like if you know who Fred, what Fred, if you know Fred Rogers' voice and you've watched Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, the KKK is going to have a real tough time recruiting, I feel like. Maybe not. Here we go. 1990, 1990 uh, the KKK is, the Klan, is told yeah. to stop imitating Mr. Rogers on the phone. A federal district judge has ordered the Missouri Knights of the Ku Klux Klan to stop playing racist telephone recordings that imitate the chi- uh, children's television program, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Uh, the Oof. judge also ordered them uh, to turn over the tape recordings and other materials. Uh, the lawyers for Mr. Rogers say the materials infringe on the program's trademarks and copyrights. Uh, and they also, uh, issued a temporary restraining order, uh, for both him and his, everyone in his company, yeah. uh, to keep them safe during the time after that. Yeah. I mean, it, it's bad. It's huh. a, it's an impersonator. It's an impersonator, um, working to try to gain people. It uses a very hard slur, does a hate crime in it. Yep. The second tape includes them, uh, ridiculing homosexuals. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm not going to repeat the next line because I mean, like, it's I, the thing is, like, I want to point out that what they said was vile, yeah. but I don't want to then also say what they said. Sure. Uh, so it's it's tough, but like, just I think you can imagine if they yeah. say that you know homosexuality is a sin and stuff like that, like you can imagine right. where that goes. It is horrible. Mm-hmm. And when I say, however, in a moment, I'm not excusing it in any way. 
However, I do like imagining these hate-filled, horrible white people looking for an impersonator to, to do their hate speech. Like, <laughs> I imagine it's probably just someone from Clem, like their, I don't do you know, do, do, do they you have do a like an voice? office? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Do they, what do they have? Some sort of like, I don't know, yeah. some den or whatever, where they're like, the uh, could anyone do something? Oh, very good. Uh, of course they are. Um, no, but like, you know, I, I imagine they probably sit around, someone probably does like a Kermit impression, like, oh, that's really good. You should do that more often. And then someone probably did like, oh, well, here's my impression. They're like, hey, Jonathan, <laughs> Jonathan, you've got something there. But can you are, make him say something terrible? Yeah. <laughs> of course. That's all. I yeah. only do Fred Rogers saying terrible things. I yeah. actually can't do the impression. You know, people have like Unless a, I, yeah. like a Michael, my cocaine uh, is mm. like people's like inroads. That person's right. was hate speech. Uh, horrible, 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 weird situation though. And, and, and interest. It would be in someone's hands who is far more skilled than mine. Uh, there, there's some satire there, and I don't know mm-hmm. how you do it, but uh, it's too weird not to be uh, s- satire potential. That's all I want to say. I understand. Fuck um, the clan. Just, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, if you weren't aware of where we stand on things like <laughs> that, that's that's your that's your clue. That's your. <laughs> it's the vi- like. Even more easy to agree with than Black Lives Matter, which is super easy to agree with, is fuck the Klan. Like, God, yeah. (laughs) Anyways, hey. Hey, James. Yeah. That's all the notes that I had, though. Well, why don't I take you into some music of 1931? Speaking of satirists. uh, Oh? Huh? And Kalev. Rita Yankovic? No. No? Hmm. Uh, His father. Um, no, uh, no, and cowards like the Klan and all racists and everyone. Uh, actually, but this is about Noel Coward. That was just his last name. Didn't describe him. <laughs> this is, the song is called Any Little Fish, and it's by Noel Coward. Um, this dude was basically like, I'm just gonna be good at everything. Just like sure. plays, music, acting, writing, satire, poems, anything. Um, so he was an English playwright, composer, director, actor, and singer known for his wit, flamboyance, and what Time Magazine called, quote, a sense of personal style, a combination of cheek and chic, pose and poise. Damn, Time. Wow. Damn. That's, that's a well-written thing. That is a well-written thing. <laughs> Noel Coward submitted that uh, prior to his death. That would be good. Um, he said, what do we does- say about you? He's like, just use this. Cheek and chic, pose and poise. That's very good. Yeah. All right. Um, so he, attend- he attended a dance academy in London as a child, making his professional stage debut at the age of 11. As a teenager, he was introduced into the high society with in which most of his plays would be set. Coward achieved enduring success as a playwright, publishing more than 50 plays from his teens onwards. Hey, everyone, you're not working as hard as Noel Coward. Just wanted to check in with you on that. Many of his works, such as Hay Fever, Private Lives, Design for Living, Present Laughter, and Blithe Spirit, have remained in the regular theater repertoire. He composed hundreds of songs in addition to well over a dozen musical theater works, including the operetta Bitter Sweet and Comic Reviews. Uh, Any Little Fish is from a 1931 review that he made. Uh, screenplays, poetries screenplays, poetry, several volumes of short stories, the novel Pomp and Circumstance, and a three-volume autobiography. Coward's stage and film acting and directing career spanned six decades, during which he starred in many of his own works, as well as those of others. 
1929, he was one of the world's highest earning writers with an annual income of 50,000 pounds, which is equivalent to more than 3 million pounds in terms of 2020 values. Coward thrived during the Great Depression. Coward thrived during the Great Depression, writing a succession of popular hits. They ranged from large-scale spectaculars to intimate comedies. Example of the former were the operetta Bittersweet in 1929, about a woman who elopes with her music teacher, and the historical extravaganza Cavalcade from 1931 at Drury Lane, about 30, about 30 years in the lives of two families, which required a huge cast, gargantuan sets, and a complex hydraulic stage. Wow. Its 1933 film adaptation won the Academy Award for Best Picture. Coward's intimate scale hits of the period included Private Lives in 1930 and Designed for Living in 1932. In Private Lives, in Private Lives, Coward starred alongside his most famous stage partner, Gertrude Lawrence, together with the young Lawrence Olivier. It was a highlight of both Coward's and Lawrence's career. It's weird that, oh, Lawrence, Gertrude Lawrence, not Lawrence calling Lawrence Olivier by his first name. Um, selling out in both London and New York, Coward disliked long runs, and after this, he made a rule of starring in a play for no more than three months at any venue. Designed for Living, written for Alfred Lunt and Lynn Fontaine, was so risque with its theme of bisexuality and a menage a trois that Coward premiered it in New York, knowing that it would not survive the censor in London. Which is uh, very funny. Um, funny in that like, he was like, all right, well, this is going to not make it here, so we're going to just take it over here. Um, New York City, where bisexuality is welcome. At the outbreak of the Second World War, Coward volunteered for war work, running the British po- Propaganda Office in Paris, which feels right. He also worked with the Secret Service, seeking to use his influence to persuade the American public and government to help Britain. Coward won an Academy Honorary Award in 1943 for his naval film drama In Which We Serve, and was knighted in 1969. In the 1950s, he achieved fresh success as a, as a cabaret performer, performing his own songs such as Mad Dogs and Englishmen, London Pride, and I Went to a Marvelous Party. Coward's marvelous pl- party? A marvelous party. Yeah. This, hey, Timeline Scavengers, the modern day marvelous party. Come party with us, the Timeline Scavengers. It's a marvelous. All right. I'll just drive that down into the dirt. Coward's plays and songs achieved new popularity in the 1960s and 70s, and his work and style continued to influence popular culture. He did not publicly acknowledge his homosexuality, but it was discussed candidly after his death by biographers, including Graham Payne, his longtime partner, and in Coward's diaries and letters published posthumously, because we're all monsters. <laughs> um, I'm going to write these diaries and hopefully they'll be secret. Nope. And, uh, <laughs> and Billy Crosby, what was his first name again? Gary. Uh, Gary. Gary Crosby was like, not if I have anything to say about it. <laughs> I'm coming for you. Noel Coward's diaries. Um, the former <laughs> like, Albury. More money. Ooh, oh boy. <laughs> Phillips like, that's it. Um, and he got his bat out of his trunk. The former <laughs> Albury theater, originally the new theater, but they had to change the name after it wasn't new anymore. In London was renamed the Noel Coward, the Noel Coward Theater in his honor in 2006. So Noel Coward, very, very famous and prolific and good and good. So here, the song Any Little Fish was much harder to track down basically anything on, but here's what I found uh, from noelcoward.com. It's like noelcowardmusic.com or something. It, it, they have a, Noel Coward has his own website because he had so much stuff that you need like separate pages for it. Uh, Any little fish. This is a this is the author of this website talking about this uh, the song. 
This is a mature review type num review type point number where Coward is really at the peak of his 20s comedy dance song powers. Good interior rhyming and nicely general so it doesn't date easily. Interesting to note that Noel Coward, they call him NC here, which is uh, fun. North Carolina. North Carolina. Shout out to Dan. Might have lifted his title from Gershwin's Can't Help Lovin' Dat Man, which includes the lyric, fish got to swim and birds got to fly. Uh, the lyric in Noel Coward's is any little fish can swim, any little bird can fly, any little such and such, so why can't I, or something like that. It's like mm -hmm. fish do stuff, so I want to be in love. Glad you know the direct lyric. Yeah, yeah. You know, that brilliant lyricist, Noel Coward, you know, and whatever. Uh, he, he constantly wrote. Uh, it was a UK popular success in mid-1928, so like two years before Noel Coward wrote this song, so it's sort of like, think of it as a sample. Noel Coward, oh. the modern day, uh, is sort of the, the biggie of 1931. So Okay, um, that one was a stretch. <laughs> That's a real stretch. What? Okay, fine. Tupac. He acted. He wrote music. He wrote poetry. Huh? Huh? Sure, and he sampled other music. Sure, okay. Anyways, that's it. That's music from 1931. Uh, you know, I do want to point out that uh, something that you said at the very beginning of this, I really quickly looked something up. Okay. Uh, had something very in common with uh, one Tom Holland of Spider-Man yeah. fame. Uh, I was looking it up to see, because you were talking about doing like dance and stuff like that in school. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, they were only a year away from each other in age, uh, when they sort of had their first sort of like big break essentially with like dancing oh, and stuff like that. Got uh, got you it. were saying that he was 11. Uh, Tom Holland was 12 when he was, um, the titular role in Billy Elliot. Yep. Um, so in the play in the Broadway musical. Yeah. Okay. Hey, the guy that starred in the movie as as the titular the titular role of uh, Billy Elliot was Ben Grimm in the 2015 Fantastic Four movie. Oh, interesting. Uh, so gotta give us some social media, maybe. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Um, we have social media for this podcast, which is what? at. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's very true. It's it's. Uh, this is the first <laughs> now I've featured heard of it. on Twitter. Here's our NFT. You can find us on Twitter at Timeline Scav, or you can find our uh, host and uh, home uh, podcast network, the Scavengers Network, at Scavengers Net. You can find me on Twitter at Unabashed James. Colin, mm -hmm. where can people find you dancing up a storm? You can find me dancing up a storm at Colin M. Parker. Very good, very good. Um, man, this, this social media is going faster than a 1930s car chase. Um, I want to Certainly recommend a, not hard to do, not hard to do. Um, I want to recommend a show from the scavengers network. I've been listening to uh, it's December 15th, as we've mentioned probably several times. Uh, I am in, I just finished today. The uh, new, the first episode of the new arc of myth takes. And oh. I, I'm enjoying it very much. Uh, it is taking sort of a form Colin. Yeah of uh another show on the network uh side character quest where it's sort of a one-on-one -on -one role playing mm -hmm. it uh, is. the the keeper is yeah but uh grant is doing really graham what's his graham. name graham graham grom is doing really great no but uh i really enjoyed it um there's something different about a one-on-one -on -one role playing experience that uh 
that is kind of it has a different uh, flavor to it and i really like that so this recommend the recommendation for myth takes and also side character quest twofer twofer Hey, real quick, before we go, I would like yeah. to make another real quick recommendation, which is to check out Nick Bramald on Twitter at N-B-R-A-M-A-L-D. Were you? Because you skipped over. Probably. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Nick Bramald, composer.co.uk. Listen, it's fine. I'm here to pick you up when you fall and vice versa. Do you see where there becomes only two tracks in the sand? That's where I picked up Nick Bramald and walked. Oh, um, very nice. <laughs> Uh, Nick Bermald probably is like frequently like, why do they talk about me? Like, I Gordon know Bennett, I hate when they talk about me. <laughs> He's um, like, Gordon Bennett, get out of this show. <laughs> Another tweet from them? Okay. Uh, but yeah, that that's all that I was going to yeah. suggest. Well, that that's all that I was going to suggest, um, but then oh. uh, the variant uh, alternate time class. That's going to do it for us for this episode of... <laughs> Did you just get pruned live on this show? <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Um, oh, wow, I'm in a, a field. Um, so that's going to do it for this episode of... Oh, is that foreshadowing? Um, I hope so, because that's a long ways away. That's going to do it for this episode of Timeless Scavengers. Um, I am James Anderson. And I'm Colin Parker. Uh, Do you want to help me make an improvised fantasy adventure podcast? Hey, Ty, that sounds fun. Do we want to bring in all of our friends to play with us? Nope, just you. Okay, will I be on the whole time? Actually, no, you'll be on for three to six episodes, and then we'll bring on another guest. Okay, is one of us going to be the main character? Nope, you're all just going to be side characters in a larger story. Okay, but this podcast is going to be hard to find, right? Nope, just look up Side Character Quest on whatever podcast app you like, or just go to sidecharacterquest.com. Okay, but you promise not to kill my character, right? No promises. Uh, oh no. <laughs> the Scavengers Network. Creator-driven. Community-focused. Treasured content.